brothers. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they sacrificed. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. As always, I am your host, Greg Bolden. So glad that you have joined me today for this conversation. I hope that if you're celebrating this holiday, that you're enjoying your holiday week as well as we find you here on this pleasant Wednesday, a couple days after the Christmas season. Now, we're leading in to the 1st of January, which is 2024. I'm going to start sweating just thinking about I'm getting another year older in this year, 2024. I guess I'm at the age now that if you put 24 onto my gravestone, I've lived a pretty good life. Uh, But that's not the perspective I want to come at today's show. I want to come at today's show from the perspective of what is it we should be preparing for. Now, you have heard on my show before, Laurie Elizabeth. Now, Laurie Elizabeth is with Seekers Insights Podcast. She does a great job, and we've often talked about religion, spirituality, what's going on in the stars. We've talked about uh, UFOs. We've really talked about uh, anything that exists outside of the physical world. And as I've been launching this Patreon that you might be listening on right now or listening on the regular podcast, I've been told by Chris Michaels, my good brother that comes on on Fridays, you know, Mercury is in retrograde. And you know, Greg, that means it's a great time for you to plan and do this launch of your Patreon page and getting your network kind of all fired up with American Boldened. And so I was like, you know what? I need to talk to Laurie. We need to bring Laurie <laughs> onto the show. So Laurie Elizabeth, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. I'm glad that you're here. How have you been? I know you've been through... Uh, COVID, you've been through a shoulder injury. Last time you were on the show, you were telling us you were about to have that taken care of. How's your shoulder healing and how are you? It's a lot better. Thank you for asking. It's, um, I had a, a really nasty fall back in the summertime, late, late, late in the summertime, but um, I took the entire brunt on the shoulder. I had to have surgery. I had to go through all of that. And now I've been through physical therapy and I, I'm at about 95% full range of motion. So well, 95 I, is great. Yeah, it is really good after a short period of time. So I'm I'm very blessed and I'm I'm grateful. So thanks for asking. We're doing well. Excellent. Well, I, you know, I've had the shoulder surgery before. I've actually had both shoulders done. And there's something we could bring into the balance of this conversation as well. When you get titanium or any of this metal in your body, I've often had this thought process of does that unbalance us in any way, shape, or form, right? Does that change the electrical uh, side of our bodies? And so have you noticed anything uh, in recovery about, you know, not feeling quite as grounded? Or um, do you think that that's maybe mind over matter? Oh, boy. Um, Big question. I see you pondering this. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And the reason is because of the fact that I had – dental implants done as well with titanium implants. Mm-hmm. So uh, after chatting with some of my metaphysical friends, they are of the opinion that I should have gotten ceramic instead of metal put into my my jaw. But, you know, I've had to deal with mercury when I was growing up with a kid, you know, how they used yeah. to do mercury fillings and, and then you had to get rid of them and all that. So it, it is kind of mind over matter. I think you might have something there. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had all my mercury taken out from yeah, my fillings before and replaced, but I've heard that too. I actually have a uh, a tooth that I need 
to replace. And I've been having that same conversation of titanium versus ceramic uh, mm -hmm. for the same reason. So we're on the same wavelength there. We, we we're as always, right. We, we think alike in some ways Look as much as we don't edge. think alike. <laughs> 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 All right. So we're coming up on the new year here in just a few more days. Mm -hmm. People are going to be making new year's resolutions. Uh, how important is it at the start of a new year that people use this time, their energy to prepare and get a mindset plan for the coming year? Uh, you know, they could do it at any time, but why is it so important maybe to do it as Mercury comes out of retrograde? What's going on? Actually, you do it as Mercury goes into retrograde because Mercury is the planet of communication and it every planet has its own meaning, as it were. And of course, it depends upon where it is in your chart. Um, but Mercury applies to everyone when it goes into its retrograde phase. It just depends upon where it is in your chart as to the severity and certain aspects of it. Um, overall, there are some general do's and don'ts, but most importantly, it is a time of rethinking, renewing, redoing, and then you start off again. It's, it, it's a time to become introspective instead of being extroverted in everything and just pushing and pushing and pushing. And I think we've missed the point these past couple of years where the Christmas season has been in a Mercury retrograde period because it is a blessing in that we have been shown that this is a time to do that introspection. The days are shorter. The, the solstice is here. Happy solstice, by the way. Um, and, and we're dealing with the ability to be in our homes and to not have to run around like, you know, crazy people all the time. Instead, we can be introspective. We can take a look at what do we need to revisit? What do we need to renew in ourselves, in our families, in our homes? And, and how can we do that? Um, so that that's a perfect thing to do under a Mercury retrograde. So we're in a good time to launch things and get things kind of planned out for where things are going. Now, Mercury in retrograde, from what I've been told, ends on January 2nd. Does that mean on January 2nd, everybody should just launch straight into those plans or what yeah. happens next? Well, let's, let's get something straight about Mercury retrograde. There's a shadow period on either side of these definitive dates, if you will. If you look up the dates, you can, you can use the Farmer's Almanac. They're, they're listed there. They're also listed on about any astrology page you want. On, you know, just check the internet. Um, but there's the shadow period I'm talking about. It, it, think of a corkscrew, okay? It takes about two weeks. These are planets we're talking about here. You know, it's like trying to stop the Titanic. You know, you know, no, it's no. It takes a while so that if you consider the slowing down of the planet so that we look like we're passing it and Mercury is going slower. Okay. That's the retrograde period. It takes about two weeks to get into that definitive period of, okay, well, Mercury's really not coming up to speed here. So that's where we wallow in it for about two and a half weeks. Got it. And then at the end of it, as we start, we start coming out of it on January 1st, 2nd, 3rd, around in there. And it takes about two weeks until we're fully back to what we were before. Interesting. That's, that's actually a, a great explanation because I didn't understand it too well, honestly, uh, when Chris was having this conversation with me, but that I can envision now as it comes through 
slowing down and therefore we are slowed down because I, I've often heard that uh, relationships can be wonky during this time. And I was like, well, how funny is that? That relationships can go a little bit ornery in the middle of the holiday season where everybody is around one another. Well, it all has to do with communication. So think of what has to deal with communication. That can mean bus schedules, plane schedules, train schedules, computers, cars, because we're going to and from each other to do that communication. Um, it, it encompasses much of our daily existence. So hmm. all of that considered, we have to be circumspect in, in the ways that we're communicating. So relationships, they, we always hurt the ones we love, right? So the first one to get that sharp word is going to be your mate or it's going right. to be your child. Um, could even be your cat or dog for all I know. But at the same time, it's it's the family unit that's, you know, the chock-a-block. This is where it's all going to start stuff. Right. Um, so that's why they for the first thing out of your mouth has to be very um, checked, as it were. Slow it down. Yes, right? slow down. Yeah. Consider what you're saying. Consider your tone of voice. And I can't stress this enough. It's not so much what you're saying, but how you say it. Look, the holidays are stressed enough. We have enough to do. We have a lot on our plates. We're trying to get places at certain times. A lot of expectations. Well, you know, you really need to take that step backwards and become very mindful, not only of what you say, but to whom you're saying it, how you say it, where it's being said. Um, mm. So many different aspects. And it really is just take a step back and think for a second. A deep breath never hurts before you respond. I've been paying attention to uh, the general temperature and barometer, so to speak, of social media. Mm -hmm. You and I have spoken about this before, about mm -hmm. who these people are that are making the posts and what do they hope to accomplish. But things have gotten a little bit interesting since we last spoke on social media. We have people like Alex Jones that's back on and able to reach millions more people through uh, the X format. Tucker Carlson has launched his own network. And during all of this, I noticed that people's personalities online do not seem to be revolved around authentic social communications, but rather typing words that they know will get a reaction or paint a picture of who they want to be. And I believe that I'm sensitive to this because I've really done the work myself to make sure that I don't fall into that, that anything that I'm posting is with uh, thoughtful consideration of kindness, with empathy, and with taking on the teacher's spirit. So I want to make sure that if you know a student was in my classroom, would I want my student to hear some of these things that I'm writing and typing and how I'm responding to others? Um, how is, you know, the energy of other people at this point in time, as we're going into an election year, maybe not how my, my pointed question would be, as you are slowing down and thinking about things, is social media important whatsoever to society at this point in time? Hmm. That's an interesting question, the way you put it, especially after your lead-in, because um, I had a totally different answer for that one. 
<laughs> well, go with the first answer, and then we'll come back to the the second half of All that. All right. The first thing is, you know, with with uh, Alex Jones and and Tucker Carlson and a lot of the the stuff that's going on in social media that that you're reading and that I try to avoid, but I can't. Um, I think what I see is the you know the traditional big mistake constantly being made, and that is people using fear as a way to rise above the noise in order to get you know noticed and standing on top of all the boxes and waving their hands and jumping up and down. Um, they're using the, oh my God, the world's going to end, or oh my God, this is going to happen. And, and that fear feeds people who are either only scantily paying attention, and that gets their attention, obviously, or it's people who are already fearful and who want to hear somebody else bearing them out. Or it's people who don't know, and that's the first thing they hear, and they're going, holy crap, this is going to happen now? What? And then they're like into the hole with everybody else. And I find, <clears throat> excuse me, when I, when I go on social media, I completely eschew all of that mess. And what I attempt to do is not use social media for anything other than showing people a different way. I want them to be kind. I want them to understand that it's a time to be with people, not get them angry, not not anger yourselves. Um, it's time not only to be kind to others, but to be kind to yourself. Um, and Mercury underscores all of that, by the way. Mm. So that using the communication tools that we have and seeing people like Elon Musk raising the the bars again, getting getting open space for people to to apparently share their First Amendment rights. Um, you know, it encroaches on other people when they don't have their own opinions formed. And so when you don't have your opinions formed and somebody's saying the building's on fire, hey, the building's on fire, right? Right. Um, well, I'm here to tell you that you didn't check to see if that was really true. And so you're kind of going along with crowd. Social mm -hmm. media is about the crowd. And I choose not to go with the crowd. I choose to instead carry my own message and, and try to put it out there as best I can. And so the second half of that, I just did a show this past uh, week, last week that uh, talked about Steve Jobs said that he would not give an iPad to his children because he knew that it would be harmful to them. And Bill Gates as well said that no technology is not, was never allowed in his children's hands and he would discourage it to people. Despite the fact that we know the technology is uh, harmful to our youth and to us, let's be honest, it is harmful to us as well, blue light and many other things. Despite the fact that we know this, what do we do? We've taking, uh, taken the textbooks out of kids' hands. We've put screens in front of them instead. We've told them it's okay to bring a cell phone to school and high schoolers stay on these devices for hours a day, getting distracted. We have bullying. We get harassment. And so much of what they're looking at is the uh, social media networks that feed the bullying, feed the need to be engaged for likes. My question in that second half is in that spirit of, would the world be a better place if social media was turned off completely tomorrow and people just said, you know what? I'm not going to use it anymore. Is there, is it really something that can be salvaged at this point for betterment of society or is it, we're starting to see what it's going to devolve into. 
Well, I, I think everybody's got their own reality. If you take a look at that for a second. Um, for example, I don't see a lot of the negativity that you're talking about. Namely, namely because I choose to stay off of X. Um, I mean, I have an account. I can go out there anytime. I can see the morass of humanity if I choose to. I also see some very positive things. I also see things that are showing me that there's still decent people in the world. There's There are still good stories and, and good good things happening. And it's really, you know, if you have a fearful mindset, you will focus on the fear and you will find all the things that you can possibly find to, to, to justify that fear. In my opinion, in if you choose to see the good in people, if you choose to see what's out there, it's there too. It's like television. I don't have to watch the nasty program where people are being sliced and diced. I can watch the nice program where they're growing trees and things like that, whatever. It's choices. It's it's no different in social media than it is in any other form of media. It's just another tool in a toolkit of communication as far as I'm concerned in my day job. And people use it now as like the primary way of advertising, the primary way of getting things across. Well, yeah, it used to be word of mouth on steroids. Well, crap, let's go back to word of mouth. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we get the shit beat out of us every time we go on social media and voice an opinion. Okay. When did that start happening with social media? Because all of a sudden, social civil discourse went away in the schools and we don't know how to have disagreements without hating each other. Well, I'm sorry, that's only fear-mongering at its worst level and social media can fan that flame. On the other side of the coin, if you are a smart person and you have a balanced look at things and you realize that it's just one tiny avenue of communication in an entire world of possibilities of communication, what the hell is social media anyway? Turn it off. Watch what happens. You can live without it. You don't have to check to see how many likes your post just got. You know, we are, th are we that insecure? And I would say in a great deal of places, yes. <laughs> yes. We are that insecure. We never grew out of the 13-year-old phase of, of looking to our companions and saying, you know, hey, guys, you know, what do you think of it? And, and they laugh at you or something like that. Well, the humility, the humiliation that goes on with that is, is you know, terrible for a 13-year-old. Same thing happens on X. If, if you say, hey, what do you think of this? And people come at you and the trolls start to feed on your line and that sort of thing. It's, it's not worth it. Yeah. I, I personally think that we got along fine without it in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm rooting on for the next solar flare to knock out social media. I'd like to keep my electricity, but social media would be a nice thing to disappear. Well, and I the, with you. the irony is not lost on me that quite, you know, quite literally my show would not be reaching most people's ears if it wasn't for social media. That all stated, I can't help but see a natural decline since Facebook uh started in 2004, 2005 mm -hmm. in society of people that were there for one another on the social element. And then people that disappeared into the ether of the internet to never be heard from again, or when they are heard from again, they will hurt other people. So I'll tell you a story. Mm -hmm. You are aware of a guest that I had on about three weeks ago that caused uh, some people to be upset with me, but I haven't addressed this on my show yet, but I'm going to address it with you because 
Laurie, I like talking to you about this type of stuff because you always give me uh, a different perspective and a unique perspective. And so I'm looking for that from here as well. Okay. So I had uh, the uh, QAnon Shaman on and I posted it on social media because I knew that it would help out with ratings for the show. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I'm going to be completely 100% upfront. And I'm pretty sure Jacob, the guy that I interviewed, knows that he's going to be bringing listeners as well. People want to hear his story. And I also believe that the way that I interviewed him was different than what other people are doing with their interviews. I had a purpose and a point to not rehash everything that other people had already asked. I wanted to get into like, how were you at the part of the first 30 there? How were you photographed with Nancy Pelosi's uh, son-in-law, you know, on the steps? I wanted to hear like, what is it that people are ignoring in all of this? Well, after I posted that, there's uh, several people that came out of the woodwork that basically told me that uh, I'm a horrible human being uh, for having this guy on the show. He is a true piece of crap, so to speak. And uh, I shouldn't be wasting any breath. They were surprised, but not surprised that I would even host him. And there are a bunch of backhanded compliments and comments (laughs) about my show uh, from people that I truly do love and respect. And so it caused me to look inward going, why is it that this person over here that I think is a really solid human being immediately feels personally attacked by me by hosting somebody that does not represent me whatsoever. Simply me looking to have a conversation that is courageous discourse and dialogue. And then why is it people that I haven't talked to in years, but I would consider people that I've shed tears with decided to go and then also trash what I was doing instead of picking up the phone and calling me directly about their thoughts and their feelings. Because what I felt like Laurie is that these are individuals, they don't support me. They're not true friends. Like I believe that I saw their true colors in that moment. Because for the last 18 months, I've been doing shows with over 400 interviews. They haven't been contacting me to tell me what they liked about interviews. But the first time they have somebody that really gets a visceral response, I get the hatred sent my way. And let me tell you, I can deal with the hatred. Like that didn't bother me. What ended up bothering me is the loneliness that you feel as a friend when it becomes personal and not the people that I don't know that are writing things like that. And the best part is about 95%. I had overwhelmingly support. So that tells you that like those friends, that 5% and the other individuals that did affect me. And I want to own that. So what is it about where we are? Why, why am I feeling lonelier than ever, despite having more listeners than ever? And um, why am I taking stuff like that? So personal and uh, what should my good response be to, to these individuals and trying to move forward? How well do these people know you, Greg? Uh, some of them know me extremely well. Um, okay. One individual, well, I mean, I'll be honest, one individual I played in a band with for like 15 years. And when I say I've shed tears with that individual, yeah, we've had those type of conversations. Hmm. I know personal details about their family, no personal details about mine. Okay. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it hurts to, to see stuff like that. Well, unfortunately, we're living in a time of divisiveness that was not of our choosing, but it is here. And... I think that Mercury retrograde puts a magnifying glass on quite a bit of that because 
people, as I said, are not mindful about what they say or how they say it. Um, even though they may know you, even though you set your premise as being the person who wants to have the courageous discourse, the person who wants to ask the questions, um, the person who wants to find out from the inside out um, what's going on and how this person came to be who they are or in our society, in our understanding. <clears throat> um, most people don't have courageous discourse and they don't know what to make of it. So they listen to it and they hear it and, and they still have their own opinions. Unfortunately, in again, because we do not have any real education unless our parents are doing a stellar job of trying to help us understand what civil discourse is, people now say, well, if you don't think like me, then you must be against me. We all know that that's exceptionally prevalent thinking in this day and age. And so when you have someone on your show, even though it's your show that they don't agree you should have on your show or should be given a platform for any shape or kind of conversation, um, you now become pariah. And to that effect, I would say it's a shame. And unfortunately, they've shown you their true colors because you don't deal in fear, Greg. That's one thing about your show that I appreciate. That's one thing about you as a person I appreciate. You don't deal in fear. You will go and say, yes, I have a healthy concern for myself, but at the same time, does this constitute fear? Is this something I should be afraid of? No, let's, let's draw this out into the light of day and haul it out there so everybody can see it, twist it, look at the different facets of it, and find out instead of guessing, instead of wondering, instead of assuming. Oh, that's a good word. People assume a lot and they assume a lot on the social channels. And if you'll notice in the newscasts and everything else, there are a lot of assumptions out there and an even more a bunch of opinions. And people think these things are facts, think that these things are truth and they're not either one of them. Am I right? You're absolutely correct. I, I mean, I'm making a living right now off giving opinions. And it's interesting to hear some people that will come back be like, well, that's not a fact. And I got to correct them and go, did you listen to my words? I clearly have stated it's my opinion or uh, what I think about this is this. I didn't say this is exactly how it was. Um, I mean, the, the, the biggest one that I've been getting pushback on lately, and it's not really so much an opinion as much as I feel like I found the facts, but it's still my opinion because it has not been decided by the courts. Um, but I still say that on January 6th, there is no re insurrection uh, because no one's been charged. No one's been convicted. Not one person that walked in. Donald Trump hasn't been convicted. But yet people are using that word as if that's exactly what was determined to have happened, right? But it's people's opinions that people are falling for they're not falling for the facts of the matter. And so I just keep going to the facts, but at the same time, when I restate it, you're correct. It's my opinion that it wasn't one because it has not been determined by courts or anywhere else that actually matters. Right. It's going to stick. And I, I think that's. But that, if they can get someone to say, yes, it was an insurrection. And yes, I had a hand in the insurrection and have that actually hold up in a court of law that could say that, a certain person cannot run for president again. Yeah. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. 
Yes. And when I say there, I mean the the side that doesn't want him to be president again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you and I know that I'm not a supporter of him. Um, my listening audience knows that. I say that all the time. I, I personally think that both those individuals need to go far, far away from politics and and not to be heard from again. They've they've had their time at this point. Let's give the microphone to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So so the idea that you have people who are no longer talking with you, no longer your friends, you've already wisely come to the realization that you can know someone for a long, long time and think that they're your friend and they're not. And that is a point of maturity that some people don't come to in a lifetime. Mm. And it's a mixed blessing, but a blessing just the same. We don't realize that being a friend is the person who accepts you exactly as you are and who likes you anyway, okay? That regardless of your feelings and regardless of what you do, that does not change the fact that you consider them friend. Unless, of course, that means that they're taking their lives in their hands or something to that effect, okay? I'm just talking in general terms. Um, If it takes something, in my opinion, that unimportant to have them show a true color to this effect. They're not a friend. And it's, I'm sorry to say it. I've had that happen to me plenty of times in my lifetime. Um, but I'm also blessed to be able to say, I have some very good friends who know that I believe as I do and who think I don't, I make sense when I talk, put it that way. And, and they just don't, as you said, they don't have that perspective, so they kind of take that under advisement and they'll go off and consider it. I, it, it is what it is. But to have that happen now, that's a mercury retrograde classic. That's the, the tearing yeah. off the Band-Aid. That's the, the hey, we're going to take a look at this little pebble. Let's see what it looks like under the light. And you turn on the light and it's like, oh, my God, it's ugly. It, or it's beautiful. Look at it shine. All of those different things can come out now because communication is impacted and there's a, a spotlight put on it. And we can either use that to our advantage and learn from it, or we can rail against the gods and and you know just say, I I, I can't throw your hands up and surrender, you know, whatever. Right. It's Christmas time, it's it's catch 22. It is. So you asked before uh the show. Um, and I'm not sure if you have an answer for me, but mm-hmm. you said to me, you know, if, if I had your birth date, where you were born and the time of day, then I could figure some things out for you as far as, you know, new beginnings and where we are. Why does that matter? Uh, explain to my listeners why somebody would need information like that. And then if you got any results for me, I'm happy to listen to them. If you don't yet, that's perfectly fine as well. But I'm mm-hmm. curious why you would ask those questions. Cause that's a new world to me. Chris always has given me things like this and I'm like, I don't know anything about it. So tell my listeners and you'll be telling me as well. Okay. Um, well, okay. Um, I am a strong believer in astrology. Uh, it's, it's not a question of belief. It's a question of it's just there folks. Um, the stars have been in the night sky for billions of years. And I believe that their patterns, if you take a look at the greater whole, the whole system of the sky and how we methodically move through seasons and patterns and 
the ancients knew the same thing and they observed those things. They didn't have a whole lot else to do actually when you think about it. So let's stare at the night sky and there's that star. Look at that cluster. It looks like a dipper in a in a in a water well of some sort. Yeah. Let's 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 follow that and see what happens. And they notice that it sets during certain seasons and it rises in certain other seasons and those are patterns. Those are systems that they can tell and and that became what we know as astrology, it began way back in Babylonian times um, so that people started writing down their observations when they had systems of writing and keeping track of these things. And so people think that this is, oh, just, you know, crap. I'm sorry, anything that survives over 5,000 years in my book might have a kernel of truth in it. So when you take a look at how to navigate life and its many vagaries, um, I find that astrology is a wonderful navigational tool. It cannot, it's not so much a map and it's certainly, and let me get this very clearly, it is not predictive. Humans have free will by the sheer grace of God. We are able to navigate ourselves. God help us and they does, but at the same time, <clears throat> it helps to have a map. You can read a map, right? Right. So what astrology does is it takes these, it's a round pie, if you will, and it divides it up into 12 houses, and we call that the zodiac, and it has all the different houses, you know, named. And an astrologer is a person who can put that together by the exact place, time, and date of your birth. And when I asked you for your birth date, I was looking at, first of all, some basic personality traits that I can put together with the Mercury retrograde where it stands right now. And then it's just very general stuff. I am not an astrologer myself. However, I was graced with the presence of an astrologer in my life from my early 20s through, well, actually still going on. Um, I've studied it. I, I know the language of it. I, I comprehend it, um, but I do not chart it. So okay. it takes someone who can actually, it's like a cartographer. I can read a map, but I can't make a map. Okay. Same thing. Okay. Um, and I have that to offer you coming up in just a second. Um, but what I did with you, with your date, time, and place of birth is figure out, okay, well, this, this is an, an Aquarian under a Capricorn and a Sagittarius, well, Capricorn, Sagittarius, Mercury retrograde. I don't know what that looks like specifically in this chart, but you know, there's, there's, there's some restriction. Okay, and and that restriction in, in relationship or communication is going to affect him deeply, and so that's really where I was going with that. And then I turned around and asked my astrologer, and I said, "Well, you know, it's so funny because you're bringing up all these different things, and I'm not qualified to speak about that." Greg, how would you like to have him speak about that? Yep, love okay. it. Yep. Great. Um, then I offer that to you and we will get him on the air with us and you will understand a lot more than I can tell you right now. Yeah, but in my to never to be humble opinion, I have to say anybody who doesn't at least understand the basic personality profiles that are made available through understanding what a person who's born under this sign is like, or just general traits. It's helped me in my career. It's helped me in my personal life. It's helped me in every way I can possibly tell you. And to not have that, to me, would just be like, 
I'm just, I don't know where to go. Oh my God. So yeah. Um, and the, the one book I've always used for those personality traits, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. Now it's out of print, but okay. you can get it on Amazon and look for it. It gives you the personality profiles as a general thing. And then it goes through a man, a woman, a child, a boss, and an employee. Now it's dated, but it is funny and it's extremely poignant in a lot of places. But she does a great job in telling you the basic personality profiles. I'm about to check it out. It's a tool. You gotta get tools in the toolkit, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. And well, it's not about the how expensive that tool is. Mm -hmm. It's about how well we know how to use the tools that we've been provided. So that's who uses a screwdriver. Come on, yeah. let's do this, right? <laughs> Where are we traveling to? <laughs> All right. Well, to wrap up the conversation for today, mm -hmm. um, what are your things that you're looking forward to here in 2024? This is a time of sorting out for me. This is a time, um, and I don't know if this is a general rule. All I can do is tell you where I'm at at this point. Um, I'm sorting through a lot. I'm what, what serves my higher good, what does not. And I think that as we enter a new year, that's a good thing to do in the first place. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, looking around my house, you know, what, what can I get rid of? All those different things. Yeah, that, that's the, the mundane that we can do every day. But it's also, what kind of thinking am I doing here? Um, does this really serve me well? Does my opinion of that person really work? Um, and if it doesn't, what can I do to improve that? And I've started doing that. And I got to tell you, it's got some really great results. Um, you know, I, I've decided that I'm just going to take everyone at face value at this point, and I'm going to learn to ask better questions. And I'm going to do it in a way that's going to open up a conversation, which is the better thing to do than to sit there and assume someone is, you know, taking a hike <clears throat> off of your understanding of who they are. And instead, I'm going to hold it in front of me and say, what can I do better? And it's an easier way to go, I think, than just throwing people away. People are not superfluous. People are not, mm -hmm. they're in our lives for a reason. There's a lesson there. And if we can follow the lesson, I think we do better as human beings. Just a thought. Yeah, for my 2024, I want to merge my vision of self mm -hmm. with people's perception of me. Um, I want to do a better job of my own self-awareness uh what do you think it's lacking so you know it, it's interesting because being in a classroom uh being married you know i get different feedback from both the wife and the kids that i teach mm -hmm. and just recently i was at a soccer game and my daughter said um i, I said great game and she goes i didn't have a good game you looked angry the entire time I That's said, perception I, for you. I, I said, what? She goes, I was looking over at you. you, you I'm like, well, why were you looking at me playing the game? And no, I was super proud of you. In That's fact, right. I was talking to this other parent about it. You know that, remember the old business about resting bitch face? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well everybody's it, got one. <laughs> it, it goes beyond that. 
So, and then, you know, when things happen in my classroom, I, if, if a student were to mess something up or break something, mm -hmm. um, it's like you can wait for them to see what my response is going to be because it's going to go one of two ways. I'm either going to be upset and serious in my tone, or I'm going to be like, whatever, guys, let's just don't let it happen again. Let's move on. And I think in my own home, my wife has made me realize that my children do the same thing. Like when there's a moment where something's not going the same way, there's tension around me of like, which response is he going to do? The merging that I want is in my heart, I perceive myself as always being a kind individual. And I perceive myself as always wanting to take things that go wrong as teachable moments. Um, I think in making those teachable moments, I come across maybe uncaring or too stern. And I want to try to marry the polite spirit that I know that I have while also merging with, because that's who I believe I am, merging with people's perceptions so that that's who they receive from me. Because I don't believe people are receiving from me at all times who I think I am, and that's difficult for me to hear. And I want to work on that. I, I think that that's something that's that's valuable for me to not ignore. That's talking about personal alignment. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful goal. I think a lot of people could benefit from that goal as well. Mm -hmm. um, and And we all fall prey, I think, to that. Um, if we could just hear ourselves in the moment, which we can't, because <laughs> you know everything else takes over. But I think it's it's a wonderful thing to to work on. And frankly, I'm taking a lesson from you, Greg. Yeah, it's funny because I have heard myself because my students sometimes are rolling a camera, mm -hmm. and we'll hear it back, and I'll listen to my tone of correcting the action and saying, "Oh, well, this is what we need to do." I'm going, "Oh, would I've done that if it wasn't a classroom?" And it was just me with a bunch of people I'm working with. No, I don't think I would have reacted that way. And so that is that aligning personally of trying to become who I know that I am, but not who I'm giving at all times. So my 2024 is that personal alignment. And I will uh, report back to you on how well that's going in the future. Sounds like a great idea. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> Hopefully well. <laughs> if, it it does, if it doesn't, I mean, I also understand personality doesn't change by a certain part of your life. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm married to my personality at this point too, but I can control what I can control and accept what I, what I cannot. So that's the best we can do. Well, uh, you know, one thing I can tell your listeners too is, you know, our natural state of being is a joyful one. There's absolutely no reason when we're born, why we go into this depth of depression and and hatred of ourselves and and you know our actions and and all of the different things that make up our I don't know day to day existence, but if you choose joy, if you choose happiness, what does that look like? Well, I try it. You know, I I, I actually ended up doing that as an experiment. I don't know. About a month ago, I just thought, a friend of mine said, choose joy. And I went, okay, joy. That's an interesting proposition. Let's try that. What does that mean? Well, the first thing I did was put on music. Nothing makes me more joyful than listening to music. So, okay. And it can be any kind. Um, depends upon the mood, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But, and then when I felt that, that lifting, that, that, you know, that whole, I'm smiling inside and I'm smiling outside type thing, I thought, that was a choice I made. Did I wake up like that? No. 
Did I have a day like that? Not really, but I chose to change that. And I chose it in the moment and I stuck with it. And son of a gun, it changed. So if that conscious choice made it for just that period of time, what would happen if we did that on a consistent basis? Mm. That's a question. Well, bold Americans, once again, Laurie Elizabeth comes through with the wise words throughout the entire show. And uh, that's why I continue to bring you on. That's the reason why is uh, I enjoy uh, hearing perspective and being humbled at times with some of the things that you say, because uh, you give me homework without giving me homework. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. So thank you, Laurie, for, for coming back on and being part of the show today. Well, I'm, it's always a pleasure, Greg. I love talking with you. Take care. Sam, I love talking with you as well. Well, Bold Americans, we hope that we honored your time well today. As we get into January 1st, 2024, I hope that maybe this gives you that little perspective, those personal alignments, the choosing of joy, figuring out exactly where you want to be in this coming year. And I hope that that all works out well for you as well. And then you exceed what you planned as we come out of Mercury in retrograde, as we just heard all about. I wish you the best. Happy New Year to you all and to all a good night. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden. Be bold, America.